1: Welcome to this episode of the How of Business. This is Henry Lopez with you and my special guest today, Ace Chapman. Ace, welcome to the show. So great to be here. I'm excited
0: about today's conversation.
1: We're glad to have you. Uh, Ace is the owner of Ace Chapman Business Acquisition Consultants and an expert in business flipping and investing. He teaches individuals how to invest in online businesses to generate passive income streams, using as little as ten dollars to $15,000 to get started. Uh, many who have worked with him have been able to replace their day job and retire early, imagine that. Uh, he also provides companies with expert advice on how to make their business ready for sale. That's one of the topics we're gonna dive into. Uh, Ace currently has a personal portfolio of 28 or so, I'm sure it changes on a regular basis, 28 or so <laughs> online businesses, bringing him a six-figure monthly income. He's also the author of the ACE formula it's a great book that's available on Amazon. In today's episodes, we're going to chat with Ace about his entrepreneurial journey, how he came to become his own boss. We're going to chat about this idea of building versus buying a business and get his opinions on that. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about his thoughts on business exit strategies, how you get a business ready for exit, meaning selling it or doing something else with it, and his general tips and advice on business and his personal success that he's enjoyed throughout his career. So Ace, Chapman, welcome to the show once again.
0: It is great to be here.
1: So you are, I think you said you were traveling when we were chatting before we got on the line. You're in Chattanooga, I believe.
0: Yep, yep. So I kind of travel almost full time. I was just in Miami. I am headed to uh, L.A. and in between got to spend some time with a family here in Chattanooga.
1: Yeah. And this is, from what I was reading about you as I was doing my research, this is, this is the lifestyle you wanted, was be able to be uh, flexible as far as location, right?
0: Yeah, I fell in love. You know, I was very fortunate. When I was young, I went to inner city schools, and then I got accepted to boarding school. And in the ninth grade, there was this opportunity to go to Costa Rica. And I actually was terrible at Spanish and you had to have this certain GPA and, you know, I passed it up in my ninth grade year, one, because I had bad grades and I was like, Costa Rica, like, you know, I, it just had never crossed my mind to travel overseas. And then the 10th uh, grade year, we had some people come from Costa Rica And I had never known how beautiful the women were in Costa Rica. (laughs) so these girls, these high school girls looked at me and and it compounded by the fact that this was an all boys school. Right. You know, it's like, oh, my goodness, I have got to get down to Costa Rica. So I started working on my Spanish, getting my grades up so that I could qualify. But, yeah, that first trip. Costa Rica just blew my mind. I, you know, nobody in my family really spent time overseas and it was, it was just, I love the culture, the food, just the time away. And I, I decided then that that was something that I wanted to spend more time doing once I got older.
1: Amazing. So do you go back to Costa Rica often or you have not had a chance to? I
0: have. I've gone back. I've had a host family. And I've been back probably six times since then, which is awesome. I mean, we stayed in a very small town about four hours away from San Jose called Canas. It's was a, an awesome experience. And now I've, I've also been to a lot of countries. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I went to Costa Rica for the first time uh, two summers ago, and it was fantastic. What uh, part? Uh, we went to the Manuel Antonio area.
0: Okay, yep. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, very we cool. flew,
1: flew into San Jose and then yeah. we're, we're driven out there. So, so boarding school, tell me about that experience.
0: It was something that had a huge impact on just my thermometer, my thermometer for success. And, you know, I, basically I went to inner city elementary school, went to inner city middle school. And in both cases, there was very little motivation to do well and so quite honestly I was a pretty bad kid you know I had friends and and we were kind of the cool kids but it wasn't cool to make good grades and I was a wrestler we went to this uh, wrestling match over at a at the boarding school and this place was just beautiful and so I told my dad I'm like I want to go to this school he's like there's no way with your grades that you're you're gonna get in I'm like well maybe I could apply and just see and he's like no i'm not letting you apply unless you get straight a's uh which (laughs) really would have been a miracle to pull off but i was willing to work that next year got straight a's and applied and the other thing was we did not have enough money to pay for the school so in addition to just getting the grades to get in i also had to get a full ride and so that was an incredible blessing and and just to tell you a little bit about the (laughs) two stories the last day of my school leaving the, the public school. I'm sitting on the bench, we're in the gym, it's the last day of school. I just found out that I got the scholarship and, and all this stuff. And I kept it a secret that I was even making good grades for my friends and I told them like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm gonna miss you guys. I'm actually going to Macaulay next year. And they kind of looked around at each other and just started busting out laughing like, there's <laughs> no way you're gonna, we'll see you in a couple months, man. Right. But yeah, you're not going to Macaulay. Yeah. Then my first day at the school, I remember uh, I met a guy who became my friend pretty much much of the time we were there. And he asked me what my dad did. And I told him, you know, he's in ministry and works in inner city and, and that kind of thing. And I asked him what his dad did. And he was like, well, right now he owns a bunch of banks. So he's working on that. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, you know, for a kid from the inner city, you don't imagine that anybody owns the banks. Banks are like the government. It was all basically he could have told me, like, he owns the United States. Like, right. that. So, you know, it's just. It was so beyond the scope of what my reality was and anything that I thought was possible. And so I I think that kind of sums up what that experience did for me over the course of those years.
1: what I find amazing is—I mean, I've never been to boarding school, don't know anybody personally, but everything I've heard or seen, or maybe it's what I've seen in the movies—is kids get forced to go to boarding school, not the other way around. Yeah. So it took. There was something in you at that point that clicked—that you realized I need—I uh, need a different path. I need to be around different people. As much as I love my friends, I, I need something different, right?
0: It, it was, and you know. Definitely, looking back now, I can see the difference in where a lot of my friends who went to that school are, even the ones who got scholarships and that kind of thing, and the, and the kids that went to public school. But there was something at that point. I'd always you know wanted to be successful. And, you know, even started my first little small businesses in in elementary school and did all of that over the course of my school kind of time, even at the boarding school, starting little businesses here and there. But um, I, I was excited about success, even though I wasn't necessarily, even at that point, excited about school and schoolwork.
1: And so then you went to college. Where did you go to college? I went to Colgate University. Colgate. And and, and I think around age 19 is when you start your first business. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I actually bought it and it was a stock market simulator. And so I was in college. I was actually a political science major because my, my thought was, well, I'll go into politics first and then maybe one day get into business. And so, um, you know, I'm not really studying the business, but I still enjoyed it. And so there there was this stock market simulator that was just fun. I could play with virtual money, invest in the stock market. The only downside was the site was always crashing. I couldn't get in touch with the owners. They just didn't reply. There were a lot of complaints in the forum. They didn't even manage that. <laughs> and so I reached out to them before the end of my, my sophomore year and just said, hey, I'd love to come and intern with you guys and maybe help you out this summer because obviously you're overwhelmed and I'll learn a lot, blah, blah, blah. And just like the other emails, didn't hear back until a couple months later, they wrote back and said, actually, we're not, we've moved on to another project. We just want to sell this. Let us know if you come across anybody that would just want to buy it. (laughs) And... I had no intentions. You know, I was a broke college kid at this point, had saved up a few thousand dollars that was just working in the summers and, and that kind of thing and just everything I had in the world. And, you know, I reached back out and kind of said, oh, yeah, I may know somebody, I, mainly because I wanted to see what the numbers are and what they wanted to sell it for. So the business was making 60000 They wanted 7, 70000 which was an amazing deal but it didn't matter because I only had 3000. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to a buddy was able to convince him to invest about 15. I went and got some credit cards which you know I, I tell people my greatest fear during that period had nothing to do with the business making it or failing. My greatest fear was that one of those credit card statements was going to make it to my parents' house instead of to the dorm. And so, you know, I always calling the company. I'm like, you have this address, right? Do not send it to my other address. And then I went back to them and asked them to finance 50% of it, which sometimes being naive, and, and this is one of the greatest powers that I've had since being in this space. So one, one of the most powerful things is being naive enough to ask for the outrageous. You know, it was already outrageous that these people were going to sell me a business at basically one times earnings. It basically made no sense. It was also even more outrageous that I would ask them to finance it and then they you know they actually did it and so mm-hmm. it's funny i talk to people that are in the space now especially brokers and, and business brokers and, and that kind of thing and this is why a lot of people who try to go down the route of buying business get frustrated i'm glad that my first deal wasn't through one of them because i see them all the time and they're like hey you know i know you talk about buying businesses with no money down but you know it's it's you're paying something down it's not possible to buy a business with no money down and it's like actually, like, I can't have that debate with you. <laughs> you know, it's like, is the earth round? It's like, I'm doing it. It's already, you know, it's, there's, it's not really debatable because we're doing it. it. You know, we got the proof that we've done it. And uh, I think just thinking something's not possible can hold a lot of people back. Yeah. And so that got that first deal done. And uh, that was my first acquisition and, and first real business.
1: It's fantastic. And then how long did you run that business or own that business? I ended up growing
0: it. So when I bought it, it had about 10,000 users. Just, you know, I knew a lot of the things that were wrong with the business, obviously. So we fixed a lot of those and just started helping people and all that. We grew up from 10,000 to 250,000. And then I left school at that point. I was about 21 and i have been running the business, had employees and and all that stuff. And in 2001, the dot-com crash happened. And so we had had offers to buy the business. You know, there are companies that some people may be familiar with, others not as much. But, you know, Ameritrade, you know, some online uh, services that basically were actual brokerages were looking for acquisitions. After that, all that dropped kind of out into thin air and the whole world of Internet businesses it was a lot tougher. So we ended up selling it for a 10th of what the offers had been. And then quite honestly, that's what probably made me trigger happy when it came to selling businesses later. So I ran it, it was probably about two and a half years or so before we ended up selling it.
1: Yeah. And there's no doubt, obviously, as you mentioned and other things I've read that uh, that taught you a lesson you've never forgotten about uh, selling at the right time, but but it's such a hard thing to determine, and we'll get into that. Now, what was your parents' reactions to you leaving college?
0: So, as you know from that business model, there is virtual money, and you basically took that money and invested it and in, in that kind of thing. And so, this is early days of the internet, so all this stuff was just brand new. You know, my parents could log on on AOL, but they just never got on the internet. (laughs) It's not as ubiquitous as it is now. Like you had to have something specific. It took a long time to download. It just was a different day than it is today. And so I'd explained to them that I I had this business and I was running it. And I I vividly remember that summer, you know, I told my dad like, hey, I'm going to be running this business this summer, so I'm not going to work. And just throughout the summer, he's like, man, are, are you sure you don't want to get a job and like, you know, make some money this summer? And I'm like, "Dad, I'm I'm making money with the site. Like, you know, it's it's making <laughs> money. And so I would tell him like, you know, we made this amount of money. And he's like, man, you really, I think you should get a job. And I'm like, ah, you know, they're just being, you know, parents and worried and, and just like any parents would be. And so I remember towards the end of the summer, I had to make that decision. I had some investors who wanted to come in and really grow the business and, and all that. And they were like, Hey, yeah, we're willing to come and invest, but we're not going to do it. If you go back to college, like, you know, we want you to focus on this. We're not gonna put the money into it. If we're, if you're not. And I went to my parents and kind of told them I'm thinking about this. I really know I need to go back to college. At the end of the day like i you know it's, i'm, I'm kind of considering it maybe i take off a semester and try to negotiate with them you know tell me y'all's thoughts and my dad was like so you're telling me that you're really going to consider leaving college for a business that makes play money and i'm like <laughs> dad the play money is separate from the real money <laughs> it makes real money he's like but how much real money and i think like i, li- I had a check that it- we had uh twenty thousand dollars from double click which you know a lot of internet guys will be familiar with and I'm like you know this is a check right here is for twenty thousand he's like that's not gonna- you-, you didn't make twenty thousand dollars like, that's not real I'm like, that's yeah, real. He's like, okay, let's go to the bank right now because I think you're in some kind of scam and this is going to all fall apart. So we, he literally drove me down to the bank. We go to the bank. He's like, is this real? Is this real money? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she calls the other bank. He's like, yeah, I think this is like a huge multi million dollar business. So they're probably going to honor the $20,000 check. So at that point, he turned to me and was like, you really thinking about going back to college? <laughs> and the tone totally changed. He's like, no, like, you should absolutely do this. Like, whatever this thing is, you know, like, follow that through. I think you would greatly regret it if you didn't. That's and uh, so, yeah, it, it was. It, I mean, for, obviously, education just has, has, always been the way out of the inner city and just a huge focus of my family and all that and I, I had a full scholarship to top 20 universities so it was a it was a tough thing to give up
1: yeah but that's great that you had there once they understood it it's, it's fantastic that you had their support especially your dad's yeah. support right
0: yeah, so, it was. It, it would have been tough for me. I, I, I probably would not have done it without this. Sure, support.
1: sure. So then you sold that business uh, how much later after that?
0: So that that was the, the first business. I sold it about uh, two years later.
1: Okay. And then at that point, you, you made money, I'm sure, on it, but not enough to retire, I suspect, because then you got no. a job in the corporate world, right?
0: I did. I got my corporate stint which I was a real blessing to get early on. So that really, bottom line, I was never tempted to, to think that, that I wanted to do it again later. And, you know, I, I, because of my experience in the, in the previous business, I had a bank that approached me, a, a really large bank, and they were like, hey, we want to do this program. We want to train people on money. That's a lot of what we were doing with the Cool Wall Street. So we wanted to come in and, and kind of run this and do this. And so I still was in, in charge of kind of building the business. So I was bringing in business and I got paid commission. And so I went to one of my higher ups or my you know, direct boss and basically said, hey, this thing is growing. I've got, you know, I'm bringing some business in. I wanna hire an employee. And he was like, ah, oh, you know, well, I have to run that up. And I doubt they're going to say yes. And we have other people that have been here longer and they should get people before the assistant before you do and all this stuff. I'm like, okay. So I thought about it. I went back. I'm like, you know what? I'll pay for my assistant. And he's still like, nope, it's just a seniority thing. Like they're going to be mad. And I, that was my first experience into corporate politics. And it's like, wow, you know, just for an entrepreneur, that you're literally saying no to money, like, you know, who cares? I'm gonna pay for the person, cost you nothing. If I make one more dollar, that's one more dollar for you. So that was astonishing. And, you know, unfortunately I still was a 21 year old kid and a little bit of a rule breaker. And so I went to an office maybe a couple blocks away and uh, (laughs) rented an office, hired an assistant myself, and would take the work over there. She would do the work. And, you know, we, we instantly increased business. Got to a point where I hired another person. And, but we all know how that story ends. Like, <laughs> that's not going to last forever. So one day I come into work and uh, the boss is like, hey, who? He names like the two people. And I have still this day have no idea how exactly they found out. It's like, who are they? And why are they working on our bank stuff? And I'm like, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, they've been helping me out. Like, we can do an investigation to see where it goes, or you can reside. And so I resigned, and then I went out and bought a mortgage business and transferred those folks over to that and, and realized that, hey, I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I do not need to be in the confines of these corporations.
1: Yeah, what a great story. Very very well put. There's the, the confines of it, it really it feels like when you are an entrepreneur at heart, it just begins to feel like you're in a prison of sorts and, and so mm. restricted, right? And nothing makes yeah. sense at some point. Yeah, yeah. So you, you did the mortgage business and then you did the We Buy Ugly Houses business, right?
0: Yeah, yeah that got me into the real estate space. I see. And... The funny thing, you know, during this period, Henry, I still did not see myself as a business buyer. Interesting. I saw myself as an entrepreneur and it was one of those things where I was, it was just a solution to the problem. You know, obviously the first deal literally just kind of fell in my lap. The second deal, I was already selling mortgages, doing some financial stuff. And so, you know, I needed to replace my income, obviously. So let me go out and buy this. And even the third deal was I'm already doing mortgages. I would love to build a portfolio of rental properties and, you know, have this income. And that's kind of the answer. And so I bought the home investor business. We bought and sold over hundred houses. I kept 30 as my rental portfolio. And it wasn't until I had a deal, somebody else had kind of noticed like, okay, this guy's bought businesses and a retail business came up for sale and I bought that. And I'm looking at the statements that are coming in and got my rental properties. And it's like, man, this thing is taking forever. You know, I'll be 60 years old before these things are completely paid for. Because you're buying them, it's 15, 20, 30 years to, to pay them off for these mortgages. And then I buy this business, which wasn't a rock bottom deal, it's just a standard deal. I bought it at two times earnings, which is, you know, I've since bought deals that, you know, like my first deal was at one times earnings, and I bought deals lower than two before, but this was the average deal. So I had the average real estate deal. And then I had the average business deal to be able to compare it to. And some of those real estate deals were a lot better than average. But the business, every few months, we were paying down big chunks. And this thing was going to be paid for completely in two years. So I had these houses that I had you know, waking up in the middle of the night, headaches, literally one burnt down because of the <laughs> tenant. And just nightmare after nightmare, dealing with the insurance on that and just trying, they're trying to get me just all these headaches. And I wasn't going to get a real benefit until 15, 20, 30 years. And here I had this little retail thing that had a manager. If there were headaches, the manager could come back for advice, but then she had to take care of whatever it was. And you know, I'm I'm getting a lot more income from it each month than than the houses. And I was like, oh, okay, this could be a thing. And that was just the very first time that that it hit me that buying the businesses could be a thing. And it's just unfortunate. And the reason I do this, the reason I do the podcast and and have the book and and talk about this, is that it was unbelievable to me that nobody was was talking about it that nobody uh really brought up buying businesses as an option and you know that's been something and quite honestly at that point I really felt like, oh, man, I got to keep this a secret. (laughs) Because if the word gets out that you can just go buy some income, not really pay any money because there's nobody else that's going to buy the business because there's nobody thinking about buying businesses, then everybody will come and I won't be able to do this anymore. But the the funny thing is 10 years later, I realized after doing several deals, if I want to do more deals, the easiest way is for me to train some other folks and then invest in their deals. So I've been doing that for the last six years. And it's hilarious to think back to kind of the younger me being nervous, like, oh, man, when people find out about this, it's just going to (laughs) be a free-for-all because it's a drop in the bucket. I mean, 99.9% of the information out there about getting into business is all around (laughs) starting from scratch, which is the toughest and and most risk. and, and. really kind of treacherous road to try to go down, but nobody's thinking about this space. So even me kind of screaming from the tops of buildings, nobody's gonna do what, what we do just cause we, it's this unfamiliar territory. We've heard of mortgages, you know, we've heard of starting businesses from a young age and, and nobody really teaches us that you can just go out and buy income instead of trying to create it from scratch.
1: Yeah. Very interesting. And specifically what you look to do is to apply some of those same strategies for acquiring real estate to acquiring businesses. In other words, very little to no or no money down, uh, getting the seller to take a note, looking for those good rates as far as the return on the investment. And so you're applying some of those same strategies to buying and selling small businesses, correct? mm mm-hmm. And, you made a comment here as you were explaining that. Do you not consider yourself an entrepreneur?
0: No, I, I'm not an entrepreneur. My, my hat's off to all the entrepreneurs out there. They're a lot smarter than I am. You know, I, I definitely, and harder workers. <laughs> you know, I, the idea, I remember actually after I bought the retail business, I was like, oh, this has such great returns. I'm going to go start another one and that was when i had that realization it still didn't get it until i met a mentor of mine uh, even after this point but you know i remember we went i bought one it was done it was making money so everything was in place you know i had the employees i had the systems i had the marketing they had tested and tried what worked. that it had the right inventory mix just Everything was there. That's a lot of work to figure out from scratch. I think a lot of people don't. They think they have an idea and you just take the idea to the market. Like, no, like all of that is just to see how the market is gonna respond and how consumers are gonna respond to it. So I went and I started this the second version of this in a in another town. And it was unbelievable. That was my first time starting a business. And I'm like, wow, people are doing this. This is craziness you know we had to go and find the location pray that it was the right location pay a deposit pay for build out do the manage the build out was a freaking nightmare buy all the fixtures pay for all like this is all included when i'm getting owner finance i'm paying nothing down all of this stuff is in there i'm like what this is outrageous you know pay for the initial inventory start to hire people realize that those people suck have to fire them, deal with that, hire more people, train those people, get them in there, get ready for the grand opening, start to pay for marketing. We're still losing money every single month, rent, employees, train them, inventory, marketing, and all of that is expenses, utilities, (laughs) it just goes on and on. And you got all of this, and then one day, finally, you have the grand opening and you can start to make some money, but you're not profitable. You're still below break even. And so you get the the pleasure of having six to 12 months of just trying to get to break even. And then you have that sigh of relief. I'm at least not losing money anymore. Now I got to try to make some money. And the awesome thing is when we buy businesses, we get those uh, business owners that they run out of steam, enthusiasm, momentum. They get to the point where they can just pay their bills, they get some income. And that's just the beginning of the work. It's tough. It's a ton of work to get to break even and get to profitability. And the reason that so many small businesses end up stunted is the entrepreneurs just exhausted. And so, you know, we've had people that literally come to us we had an internet business where this was the case where you know they had tested a bunch of things done a bunch of marketing had things not work had inventory that was supposed to come in they spent the money it disappears you know just all these things customs and just different things and they were exhausted but they were making money and they were just like i can't go any further we had the same thing with a wine business where the couple just came and they said listen uh, we don't we literally don't want to go in tomorrow you can have the business; it's tearing our marriage apart. We thought we want to have a kid. This has just been really tough. And they just hit that that profitability point. So you get you spend so much energy, and the statistics that we hear don't measure the stories that we hear. So we know the statistics. Oh, you know, eighty percent of the business gonna fail in this period, and then ninety percent in that period, and, and that kind of thing. But it's easy to throw those out there. And not think about the millions of, that represents actual lives. And we hear the stories of the lives of of people that did get into business and, you know, they want to try to sell it and it's not worth anything because it's not making money. And they talk about like, hey, I tried to start this thing. I poured my time, time away from my family, money that could have been going to my family, and I'm getting nothing out of this. And that's why I'm so passionate about it is that I think there are some amazing entrepreneurs out there that can do really well, but there are a lot more people who are just at the end of the day, they can work a business, they can build up team and and do the management and learn from a seller how to run a business, but they're not the people that are going to go through that entrepreneurial gauntlet or the, you know, kind of entrepreneurial lottery that has a lot of luck around it, you know, that, that they just can't afford to take the risk and, and base it on that.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think I think it comes down to a matter of definition, Ace. You, you define entrepreneur as someone who takes an idea from scratch and builds it. And, 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 and that might well be the case. We're not going to argue that. I, I think you are an entrepreneur. It's just you have a different approach to what you do and how you do it. Uh, But you still leverage other people's resources, other people's money, and you leverage that into a business. So that's my definition of an entrepreneur. So that's, that's why I was curious as to whether it made that distinction. But I get it clearly, your, your approach, what you have found that works best in your experience and what you teach others to do is to look for a business to buy, the right kind of business to buy because of all of the risks that it eliminates and how many of them are out there and those opportunities are out there versus build it and maybe they will come approach to starting something from scratch. So, let me ask you this question. When it comes to buying a business, tell me one or two things you look for that that business has to have for you to consider buying it.
0: So, the number one thing is income. And, you know, I learned this from my, well, my mentor that, that was the guy that transitioned everything for me. He's the, the person that made me realize, like, hey, this can be a business. And, you know, when I first met him, <laughs> I, I, it was kind of that experience that I, I talked about with uh, the guy who's there on the bank. Um, you know, I asked him what he did, and he told me that he flipped hospitals. And that was kind of one of those things where it's like, what? Like, this is just unbelievable. And I remember even after that second retail thing, I had an idea for a startup, and I went to him, I'd sold a business. And had some cash, and I had an idea for this startup, and I kind of gave him the spiel, the plan. It must not have been that great of an idea because I, I can't remember what the business was at this point. <laughs> but I can tell as I'm telling him about this idea, he's just not impressed at all and so i'm like okay he doesn't get it you know let me try to explain it this way and he's just not impressed and so i get to the end and he starts to ask me about my computer and i'm like he's not even gonna acknowledge that i just <laughs> gave this big speech like what is going on and so he's asked me about my computer and it's like where'd you buy it and i'm like dale He's like, well, you know, you, you could have just built that yourself. And I'm like, I don't know how to build a computer. It's like all the information's online. You could easily go and learn how to, how to build your computer. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have the parts. He's like, you can buy those online. And what it boiled down to and where he was headed with that was the reason, the real reason isn't either one of those things, because you could go and easily figure that out. You're a smart guy. The real reason is you want the computer because you want to be able to get online. You want to be able to do Word documents. You want to be able to use it sale. That's why, that's what you want. It's not about going out and trying to figure out how to how to build something. And he's like, when we first got together, you told me, you know, I had this certain income goal. Your goal was to get to this income level. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I think starting this business will, will get me there. He's like, but just like... You wouldn't go and build a computer when your goal is to use Word or get online. You don't need to go and build this business. Just go get the goal. So the same way that you buy a computer, same way you buy a house, 99% of people don't build a house because it's like, that's too much of a headache. I just want to be able to live in the house. You know, I mean, that's my goal. People want transportation. They don't go and go online and try to figure out how to build a car. They don't go and try to figure that out. They literally just go and figure, you know, even if they don't have the money, it's how can I get the money to go buy a car? And it's the same thing with business. Business is the only place where we literally have no expertise. It's just like having no expertise in building a car. You know, you have no expertise in building a business and you just go online just like I would with a laptop and start trying to figure out, okay, you know my goal is income. How can I become a business expert first and then figure out how to make the income? And so the most important thing we're looking at a business, that's what we're buying. We're buying the income as opposed to trying to create it. And so we, that's where the focus is. Is the income reliable? Is it stable? Is it going to continue? What is the likelihood? that it's going to continue once I buy it. And then we want to get it at such a low multiple that that risk is low for us. I mean, and and this is the really powerful thing is if you're buying something like the deals I've been talking about at a couple times earnings, that means in two years, you're gonna get 100% of your money back. Let's say you get in and the deal sucks and it cuts in half. You're still talking about a 25% annual return. So, how you structure a deal and, and, and the price that you buy it at is really important for protecting yourself when it comes to the, the risk level. And, and now, one of the things that we're doing is really encouraging people, as soon as you get one deal, to start taking some of that money and invest in some other deals and kind of diversify. The, your portfolio so that you have this, this income stream coming in at a high level in, in several different businesses.
1: All right. So income and a low multiple. And I got to think just like with real estate, you have to look at a lot of opportunities before you pick the ones that work.
0: Absolutely. That, that's one of the biggest differences between when we're working with people in the average business buyer, the average business buyer looks at six deals and then either buys one or never tries to buy one again because the it, what and then ninety percent of them never buy one. So they do what I call kind of the straight line process. They look at a business, they realize that you know, such and such isn't good, you know, as soon as they get the prospectus. So they move to the next business and they, you know, sign the NDA. They look at the prospectus. Maybe this one sounds interesting. They talk to the seller like, oh, no, this is all fake and, you know, it's not real. So they do that in this straight line process over the course of six months. And they get to the end and realize like, oh, this is like, I've looked at all these businesses. None of them are good. This doesn't work. What we do is build, you know, marketing funnels. And I'm sure your listeners are familiar with that, but we do it for deals. So the average person that we work with, and I had to learn this, you know, the hard way because I'd gotten a couple of, uh, I'd gotten a really great deal my first time. When I went to go buy a mortgage business, I realized how tough it was to go and, and find that. And so we've had to build systems around creating this deal flow. So the average person we work with looks at over 100 deals before they close on one. And what we try to create is the situation where we've got four or five amazing opportunities that meet, you know, we do some personality testing, we do some skill set testing, we make sure that the deal is the right deal for them. So we want to end up in a situation where we've got four or five really great businesses and you're able to sit across from that person that's selling the business and say, I love your business, I love what you're doing, I think, You know, it ties in great with my talents and my skill set, And I think I can grow this business where I'm at right now is I have four other businesses and they all meet my criteria as well. And so what I want us to do is sit on the same side of of the table. You know, this doesn't need to be a combative negotiation. This can be a very collaborative negotiation. And uh, I want us to work together to come up with a deal structure that allows me to kind of make your business the one that I acquire.
1: Yeah, And you come to that table, though, with that leverage. And also, if, it, if they're not willing to do that, then you move on and you have to be willing to do that as well. Definitely. Why do you think it is that we're so predisposed to think that the way to go is to build versus buy? Why is that?
0: Um, there's, a, there's a really big industry around promoting programs about starting businesses and all of the advertising everything that we see is one level and then it is the the lottery you know it's the same reason that people play the lottery so if they did as many news stories on all the losers you know it's like if they did All the people that in the past five years have spent a thousand dollars on lottery and didn't win anything and it's like oh you know here's a new story here's bob he spent a thousand dollars on lottery tickets and didn't win anything if he would have done this with that thousand dollars it'd be this or that or he could grow to that that kind of thing and here's also Susie. she's lost a thousand dollars as well (laughs) you know like that's not exciting the only person we hear about is the winner you know we don't hear unfortunately about the, you know, we do, you know, and, and unfortunately those people don't even want to talk about it. It's not like I could just do a podcast and say, Hey, you know what? I, I want to talk about the real life stuff. I want to talk about all of these people that have started business from, from scratch that are the statistic. Cause we, we know the, again, it, it's knowing the statistic. is just like the lottery does not compare to hearing the real life stories. And so I, I think it just is that delusion of oh man we've heard, we know about Mark Zuckerberg we we know about Steve Jobs we know about Bill Gates but you know like well, that's not a, a thing that it's literally lottery numbers uh, statistics so it, it that's a, a big part of it and I think the other thing is and and one of the reasons that I don't like to call myself an entrepreneur is because everybody is can wake up tomorrow and call themselves an entrepreneur. So I, I call myself a deal maker and I think that there it takes work to become a deal maker. And the real unfortunate thing with entrepreneurship and being an, an entrepreneur is that it takes a tremendous amount of work to become an entrepreneur, but there are a lot of people that um, you know, just say like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm I got this blog. I'm blogging, and I'm a entrepreneur. Uh, you know, one day I will eventually make money." So it's a combination of things, but I think it's very tough to kind of start that process at a at a deep level of just having a paradigm shift. And I don't say this like, "Oh, I'm the person that." got it easily. You know, here I am, literally, Henry, I'm making money from it. I'm I'm doing deals. I'm buying them. I'm selling them. I'm making money. And I just go out and I buy the income. I get fired from a job. A week later I'm owning a mortgage company. (laughs) You know, I'm literally doing it. And I still didn't get it. You know, I'm still kind of in the group at that point in the group think of like, oh, I have to go and start something eventually. Literally get a deal, had started something, that saw how much that sucked, got out of that, got the money, sitting with my mentor, still talking about starting from scratch. Yeah. So yeah. the reason that I, I really hammered this home is, wow, if I can not see that, if my mentor is sitting there, I can, you know, like totally annoyed with me that I am so thick-headed <laughs> because I'm still I'm sitting here with the clear answer, still talking about starting something from scratch. He hammered it home for me. And so, you know, my job is to for those select few people that are, are listening to uh, podcasts or see blog posts or interviews that that I've done for those people that that resonates with that just say, you know, I want to create my own thing. You know, I want to have some power. I want to make income and control my income. But the idea of, you know, throwing it on the crap table is very scary for me. I'm not, I'm I'm probably not built for that. Then, you know, it, it can still be tough for those people to get out of that, that group thing.
1: Yeah, no, very well said, Ace. I, I think our ego comes into play. I think we, in our society, we celebrate those who came up with the idea. And so I think that partly mm-hmm. plays into us wanting to build something from scratch, because somehow we think that has, that's going to result in greater praise and, and greater, mm-hmm. you know, accolades. Uh, so Definitely. very, very well explained. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So one
1: quick question. And when it comes to exit strategy, because we haven't talked about that at length, tell me one thing you do in a business once you buy it to get it ready to be sold.
0: Um, One of the most important things is having an SOP. So uh, I really believe in having some uh, uh, systems and, and operating procedures for the buyer that aren't just in your head or it's scribbled out in a, a organized folder.
1: So an SOP is a uh, standard operating procedures. Got it. Okay. So, so having those systems in place, if there aren't, you have to create those and that's what makes it much more sellable then uh, for when you get ready to flip that business. Is that right?
0: Well, it's not just having them in place. It's how you present it to the seller. Okay. So when I'm sitting down with a seller, I want them to tell me, I want them to feel like they can open up to me about their concerns. So every buyer, I'm sorry, every buyer is gonna have some concerns about the business that they're buying. It's like, oh, I'm nervous about this, I'm nervous about that. And so I just wanna ask them point blank, like what, what what's your biggest concern with this business? And maybe they say, my biggest concern is that this manager is gonna leave. It's running great, she's amazing. But what happens if she leaves and I'm stuck with this thing? I'm nervous about that. And you can pull out the SOP and say, turn to the E section, its employees, and then go to the manager section. This is our procedure if the manager leaves. The first thing is these other two employees step up. This is where we advertise to replace them. This is, you know, what we put in the ad. This is, you know, what we look for in the resumes. Here are the questions that we ask when the candidates that uh, meet the the right resume requirements come in. And then, if you go to T for training, you'll see everything that that manager needs to be trained on uh, to make sure that she's just as good as the person that we have right now. And then you do the same thing. Like, well, you know, I'm also scared about the marketing, and you take them to the marketing center. Here are everything that we've tried over the past two years that hasn't worked. Maybe you can try some of those things a different way. Here are the things that are working right now, and you know what we've done in it, just so that number one, you're not doing the exact same things, or maybe you, you want to switch it up and, and try it in a different way. So that, that becomes really powerful, and essentially what you're doing is we have, again, with that whole starter mentality, which is always funny and interesting to me, we have this franchise industry that literally that's all they're selling. They're basically selling this, we've, we've perfected this standard operating procedure, we're going to give it to you, and we'll give you our brand, and then you go start this thing from scratch. And that alone is really, really valuable. So if you're doing that for a business buyer, and you're saying, hey, plus, when you buy this next month, you're going to start making, making money. You know, the the, the very day that, that you come in, you're you know, the day before that was my money, the next day that's your money. That becomes very easy to sell and, and and to sell at a premium.
1: Yeah, very well put. Great advice. All right, we'll start to wrap it up here. Last couple of questions. Book recommendation besides yours, which again is called the Ace Formulas or a book you've read that you would recommend to our listeners.
0: Yeah, I love kind of the other guy I spent a lot of time with that, that had a huge impact on my life. is guy Oren Claff, and he's raised you know half a billion dollars for, for deals and uh, investment banking and, and all that good stuff. And he wrote a book called Pitch Anything, which is about kind of how investment banks pitch things and leveraging that into other products and, and businesses. So great book, Pitch, pitch Anything by Oren Claff.
1: Wonderful. And we'll have a link to that on the show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. Ace, parting piece of advice for our listeners?
0: Yeah, I, I, my my biggest piece of advice is, uh, again, that whole paradigm shift that can be applied to a lot of areas of life. It's It's what my mentor really kind of hammered into my head. And just making sure that you're looking at at the most foundational level is that you're going straight to your goal. You know, I'm constantly checking myself because we have, you know, kind of societal pressures that tell us, okay, if you want to get to that goal, here is the path. This is the path that you follow to get there. And in a lot of cases, it's not a straight line. The, The quickest way to get anywhere is literally just a straight line. And right now, Especially for entrepreneurs, this is crucial because we have so many freaking distractions. We have, you know, people saying, oh, you want to get over there? Well, you should become a Facebook ad expert. Oh, you want to get over there? You, you should become social media and Instagram, and now you should be doing uh, Snapchat. Say, oh, you want to get over there? Webinars are the way, and you need to become an email expert, and you need to start uh, becoming a, a lead page and a click follower, and just absolutely endless and so i see people coming to me and it's almost like they have this huge backpack of just stuff and they're becoming experts at a million different things and it's stressful and our brains just aren't meant for that like you know we're amazing beings but we can't learn 50 different things at the same time Uh, and they'd be jumping from thing to thing and so it's awesome that people come in, they have this huge backpack of all these tools and resources, all this stuff. I'm just like, you know what, put all of that down, become a master at being a deal maker. And then when you buy a business, just learn what that business is already doing to make money. You know, go to the, to the end, just go straight to the
1: goal. Yeah, well said. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your business?
0: Uh, they can visit uh, acechapman.com and uh, feel free to shoot me email. I'm ace at acechapman.com, and yeah, we, we we do. We have a lot of testimonial videos and and that kind of thing on YouTube. If you want to go there and search Ace Chapman,
1: fantastic, Ace. It's been really interesting chatting with you. Thanks for taking this time to be with us today.
0: Anyway, it has been great, man. Enjoyed the
1: combo. <laughs> Same here. Well, this is Henry Lopez, and thank you for listening to this episode. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by
0: levantebusinessgroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small
1: business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.